Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Today we're going to talk all about Jesus. Sam asked me this morning, he goes, what's your message on? And I said, Jesus. And he goes, no, really. I said, really, Jesus. <laughs> he is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to him again, back to its original intent, restored to innocence once again. Please be seated. I had a dream. um, I, I don't know when it was, a recent dream. And I don't even remember the dream. But I woke up hearing... Colossians carries many keys for my church in this hour. And um, so guess where I've been spending a lot of time in? <laughs> and I, um, it would be um, foolish to think that every key that was in um, the book of Colossians could be released right now. but And I, and I don't want to say, well, I'll get it all done today. I don't know how long we'll be here. But if there's keys that the church needs in this hour, then I want to seek it out. I want to find it out, and I want to search it out, and then apply it to our life. So we're going to look at the book of Colossians today. And, um, you know, I'll just give you a, a little bit of history so you understand. A little, a lot of times we just jump in, and you know we could, you could. Colossians is very full, and you could read just about anybody could read it and find something for them. But I think it's important to kind of have an understanding of why was this book written, and then what could the Lord be saying to the church now? And these are just questions I'm pondering and I'm asking him. I don't pretend to know everything. I'm just growing and I'm listening. But Paul wrote the book of Colossians and they um, suspect it was written about 60, 61 AD. So that tells us that this book was written while there were still people alive that had seen the death and resurrection of Jesus. It was written to a church in Colossae, and they say that Paul actually never went to this particular city, but that the gospel had gone probably from Ephesus, which is about 100 miles away, and made itself to Colossae. And it's actually a letter. We look at it as a book. We have it, and it's written down, broken in chapters. It's broken in, I mean, just if you look, you probably see verses, and you might even see subheadings. But it was actually a a letter written to the body of Christ. So when we're going through this, I just want to kind of imagine, like, you know, it was a big deal. The, The body had come together very much like us, the family of God, and the elders or the leaders and who've ever said, well, we have a letter from the Apostle Paul, and we're going to read this today. And then it's important to know, like, what was motivating Paul 
to, to write this word. So as we go, we'll just kind of discuss some of these things. All right, so I'm going to start in verse 1. And I'm, um, I'm following the Holy Spirit. Is that okay with you guys? We'll see where he goes. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul and Timothy together are writing this letter. From what I've been reading and studying, I would imagine that Timothy, Paul, Paul is getting the intel from God, and Timothy is pinning it out. And then they say, grace and peace to you. And then they say, we give thanks to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, pray, Christ praying always for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and for your love of the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And he goes on, and it's just a greeting. And he says in verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard, we do not cease to pray for you, to be asked that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. This is something I actually pray for you regularly. I figure if it's good enough for Paul to pray for the church, it's a good start for me. So I just want to pray that over you right now. Just shut your eyes. Father, I thank you so much for this body. I thank you for them, and I ask, Lord God, that each one here and those that are not here, for whatever reason, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Lord, I pray that each one of us would walk worthy of you, fully pre pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work and in increasing in the knowledge of God. Lord, may each one of us be strengthened with all might according to the glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And I give thanks to you, Father, for you are the one who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the things that had begun to happen in Colossae is that there began to be a little bit of um, fuzzy vision, not clarity of who Christ was. And, you know, we don't really know how or what, but I will tell you this. I think that if we were really honest, hey, let me ask you this. I, well, let me just say this. I have, a, I have a friend, and this is something I'm just praying, that the Lord will just crystallize our clarity in seeing who Jesus is. Even more so. I have a friend, my friend Jane, and um, 
we've been friends for quite a bit of time, and she and I have, we're, we're similar in a lot of ways, but there's two things that we're really different in. And one is, I'm one of those people that I like to fill my car up with gas, and when it gets about three quarters of the way down, I like to refill it. I just like to be prepared. She, on the other hand, loves to ride on the thrill of the fumes in that dashboard light. And so we just always laugh because every time she's in my car, it's almost full. Every time in her car, I'm having to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit. (laughs) I have not run out of gas before. May it not be today. (laughs) So that's, that's one difference. And the other difference is, so like you guys can laugh at it. Well, the other difference is like she has to have the windshield clear. Like, there can be no smudge. There can be no bugs. There can't. And let me tell you, I could probably ride six months, maybe six years, and not ever think about cleaning my windshield, except for, you know, the part where you, you know, you press the button and it does like this, and then it's done. But like, beyond that, I don't think about it. You know, I was just at the beach, and and it was funny because she was going to come and visit us, and Sam was like, i got to clean these windows. Jane's coming. (laughs) She's going to want to see the ocean. And every day I'm just standing there through all the, you know, looking at the window with all the sun or the the mist of the sea, and I'm going, wow, look how beautiful it is. And he cleans. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it was that beautiful. I mean, and so I think that's the thing is like sometimes we can have a little sea mist, over our clarity of who Jesus is. Have you ever gotten a pair? Who wears glasses or contacts? You ever, you know, like you go and you get your eyes checked and everything, and then finally you, that new prescription comes, you're like, wow, there's actually definition. There's leaves on the, I mean, like I saw the green. I didn't realize there were actually individual leaves. Like, and so I'm hoping today that we would have a fresh clarity of who Jesus is. So let's look now at verse 13. And I'm going to say Jesus instead of he. Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he's conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through Jesus' blood and the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus, all that was created, that is in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. You know, this morning, I just, I love how Holy Spirit works, because this morning, Daniel, did we have a discussion today about the sermon and the worship? No. Did you notice every song today was about Jesus? 
He's wanting us to get our eyes once again on who he is and what he has done. And there's, I mean, I could unpack that little bit. I could unpack so much and we could just feast on each one of those points for a very long time, but we don't have to do that. Or like Chip, he comes in and he talks about how we were made in the image of God. You were created. You know, the whole philosophical questions in the world is, is who am I? And what am I here for? And I would propose to you right now, this right here I just read answers it, that Jesus created you and for his purpose you were created. And that might look different. Like for Dan, that comes in fishing and it comes through heart surgeries. But he was created for Jesus, by Jesus and for Jesus. Or Jennifer is a potter, or Matthew is a banker. It really doesn't matter about our functionality of how, but if we could get in who he is, who I am in him, and that I was created by him for him. If the whole entire body of Christ really begin to grasp the width of this, I feel confident we would see revival because wherever you are, you would recognize in this moment, in this place, I was created by him, for him. And everything goes through the lens, through the clarity of vision of Jesus Christ. How are you guys doing? Okay. The supremacy, there is no other name greater than Jesus. And like, guys, we can know this, but we can lose sight of that when the circumstance that we're in seems so big to go, no, Jesus is supreme over this. Or when we're in a situation, we don't know what to do. He is sufficient for me here. It's really all about Jesus. So say with me, Jesus is everything. Do you believe it? Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. And guess what? Everything Jesus is, he is in you. So Jesus is everything, but everything Jesus is, he is in you. He's in me. Look at Colossians. Oh, I want to just keep reading. We'll talk. I'll get, I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father. This is going to kind of go with what we're saying. It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. And by Jesus to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Jesus did it all. Ephesians, Paul talks about how by grace, We've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, but the gift of God, not of works that anyone should boast. And Paul is saying, how you got in, continue in. By grace, you were saved. 
by grace we live. Continue to live in him. Colossians one twenty. let's keep reading. Paul says, I'm actually just go down to 27, verse 27. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus is everything. And that everything Jesus is, is in us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We, do you know that because Christ is in you, there's always hope. There's never a situation that there's not hope. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, I'm going to flip over this really quick. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. So he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end, and he is every step along the way. It all begins with him. It all ends with him. And so sometimes, and this is what was happening in Colossians, is that some, a couple of things had come in to kind of undermine and, and Paul was concerned for the church that, one, that they were now kind of getting back into works and like, okay, God has, you know, we've been saved, so now we have to apply all this and don't do this and do this and don't do this. Has anybody ever been in a situation in church where you kind of feel like somehow it's about living right for God? I mean, if we're honest, we've probably all drifted in that from time to time. But Paul is saying, hey, how you started, continue in. Did you do anything to earn your salvation? No, we didn't do anything. It's a gift from God. And he's saying, from that place, continue on. Do you know that there's so many, how many of us can be honest with you? There's just an area in my life I really want to see victory over. Personally, like I'm so tired of this thing. I'm sick and tired of it. And so we're like, I'm never going to, and we do it. Oh God, I'm never going to do it again. Let me just say, yes, you will. Unless he changes you. We put so much pressure on ourselves and on one another. And he says, as we confess ourselves before him, oh God, I did it again. I really do hate this. I'm so sorry. But I thank you that I am completely forgiven and completely redeemed. And you are changing me. It's you in me. Everything you are is bringing transformation into my life that I can live from the inside out. And from that place, I won't struggle with this anymore because of what you do in me, not because I'm trying my own strength to get a hold of this thing. It's a little bit of a paradigm shift. He is everything. Him we preach. He goes on, Paul says, and he goes on, he says, Christ we preach. There's a lot of people walking around with mist on their eyes. And they know about him, but they don't really know what he has done. And this free gift, it really is incredibly great news. And he says, him we preach and we warn everyone, teaching every man in wisdom that we may present every person Perfect in Christ. To this end, I will labor. To this end, it is not enough for Christ to be in me, the hope of glory. It is not enough for me to be transformed. I am to be a vessel 
to carry him wherever I go, that the world can know this great goodness of who Jesus is. So continue to live in him. Paul goes on in chapter 2, and he says, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. For as many, I've not even seen, they've not even seen my face. I pray that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he goes on, verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. And he goes on and goes, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. You know, there's a thinking right now that is growing, and it's scary, and it's this thought of really all roads will eventually lead you to God. And I'm here to tell you that that thing has been around since Colossians. That is not a new thought. There's only one way, and that is through Christ. And there's only one way, and it's what he did on the cross for me and I receive that as a gift and it's from that place daily I die to this old way of thinking and put on Christ and live in him not by might not by power but by his spirit it's all about Jesus it's Jesus is everything and he goes on uh, and he talks about not the legalism I, I kind of typed you know, talked in on that just a little bit now look at chapter 3. Paul goes on, and, and like I feel like I'm you know, chopping up this letter, because like once again, in the sake of time, you know, I, I could read it all, but, and I, we may another time, but you know, there, everything, he's just having this letter written to the, these people, and he goes to this point, he goes, if then you were raised, oh, Goodness, I gotta read this one other thing. This is so incredible. Go back. Verse, I'm sorry. Verse 11, it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, and he nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Now, this is important. Think back to that area where you're just struggling. That one thing that you want victory over, that you don't want anybody to know about, because if anybody knew about them, they would probably not want to have anything to do with you, that one thing. 
And I want you to know that that has been taken and nailed to the cross. Imagine that. Just imagine that with me. Imagine that thing and it being on a piece of paper and all the, the holiness and the righteousness of God, all that you know you're not deserving because of this one thing. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I took that and I nailed that to the cross. It is finished. That, that handwriting requirement that was against us, against me, against you, it is finished. He said, I disarmed it. I nailed it to the cross. And I've disarmed that you ever heard that the, the enemy is like constantly bringing accusation against you in that place. And Jesus said, I took care of it. It's under my blood on the cross. And I disarmed the principalities and powers and I've made a public spectacle of them triumphing. So verse one of chapter three, if then you were raised in Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earthly things, for you died and your life now is hidden with Christ in God. So Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and you are in him. You are hidden in him. You are surrounded by Christ. And he goes on and he's saying, put off, you know, Chip, I think talked about this, about putting off and putting on. I love how the Holy Spirit's doing it. He says, put off, put to death those things which are on the earth. He's saying, get your gaze, you're seated in heavenly places, you're in Christ, put on Christ, put off the ways of the world, the the." fornication and unclean passions, evil desires, covetousness, idolatry. That's not who you are. You used to walk in those things, but put them off. Put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Since you put off the old man with the deeds and you put on the new man who is Christ, renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Jesus is all about transforming us. He's doing a complete makeover inside of each one of us. And our timeline, my timetable is different than Sam's. It's his doing. But he's doing an extreme maker on the inside out where we're being transformed into the image of Christ. Not that we are. It's all him and who he is. But he's the one. And so when you see that thing that trips you up to say, Lord, I just give this to you and I welcome you to come in and do that transformation. You change me from the inside out because I know left to myself, I will do it again and again and again. But Christ in me, the hope of glory. You promise you would take everything and turn around for good. My good, your glory. What a mighty, amazing Jesus. And that he loves us right where we are. How Samuel talked about how he leaves the 99 and he's going after, he's pursuing. We're the ones that run away from him. We're the ones that think we have to clean ourselves up. I saw a picture this week as I was praying and I, I saw these 
feet that were just bloody and torn up. I'm like, what is that, Lord? He said, those are my beloved ones that have just walked away from me, and they're trying in their own strength. And I just want to pick them up and clean them up and carry them and bring them back home. And so maybe, I mean, we are home. We're here. But there's a world all around that do not know. Therefore, put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness, humility, long-suffering. Do you know that we don't really even know how to be kind and, and tender and humble? We don't know how to do that apart from Christ. It's not like you have to strive and go, oh, I've got the freedom, I got love, joy. No. Just acknowledge Jesus, you say to love, I have no clue. I keep botching it up, but I know you're in me and you are love, and I surrender and I let your love come through. I say, you put it on meekness and long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, make sure you tell them all about it. I don't think that's what it says. If you have a complaint against someone else, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Think about that that piece of paper nailed to the cross for you and go, God, there's a piece of paper nailed to the cross for them. And my job is not to judge. My job is to receive your forgiveness and then walk in forgiveness towards others in love. Above all these things, put on love. Verse 14, chapter 3, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful we have so much to be thankful for oh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching you and admonishing one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your heart to the Lord and here's the key verse 17 Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul then goes on, and you can read this in your own time. He talks about, hey, now that you understand, it's all about Jesus and what Jesus has done. He is everything, and he is everything in you. And he changes everything. Now you can be a wife that loves your husband. Or a husband that loves your wife. Because of Christ in you. He is able, his grace. Once again, I mean, uh, I, mean, I have opportunity. I, I guess we're probably all honest. We have opportunities every day to get pushed out of a place of righteousness, peace, and joy. Anybody have an opportunity this morning? I'm, yeah, I'm glad four of us did. 
And to, to recognize my flesh just wants to rise up. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, this thing doesn't have more power than Christ in me. Jesus, I'm calling on you right now. I'm going to stay in a place of peace and joy. It goes on fathers, children. This is how the employees at work, whatever you do, do it to the Lord. Employers. Chapter 4, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, pray also for us that God would open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Paul is in chains writing this. He has every reason in his flesh to be offended. He's in chains. He's saying, oh, earlier he says, I'm glad I'm in chains. I'm glad I'm suffering and not you. Oh, would you pray that God would open a door for me to share this good news? Because even if I'm in this prison in chain, it is not my position. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, and he is everything. And what he has promised to do through my life, what he has created me for him and through me in my life will be accomplished regardless of the circumstances I find myself in. And he says, I pray that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And then he tells them, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. He's saying those that don't know this great gospel of Jesus, walk in wisdom towards them, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You know, I was thinking about fishing. I'm not a fisherwoman. I actually used to fish. I'm married to a fisherman who loves to fish. We, when we went to the beach, um, Matthew and Jeremy and Sam want to go fishing and you know it's like hey let's go fishing but you know what fishing is a lot of waiting sometimes it's the right season sometimes it's do you know that I would I mean like I said Dan could tell you more on this but I would imagine that you're going to use a different kind of bait for a trout than you would for a flounder or a shark or whatever fish you might right and are there times that they bite are there times that they don't that's where we need to walk in wisdom. When we're talking about planting seeds, we need to ask the Lord, like, what's the right bait? You know, if we have a one-size-fits-off, you will know Jesus. And, you know, more, I believe, is caught than taught in the sense of people seeing you and you live in your life full of righteousness peace and joy regardless of what. And then they go, hey, like, how is it that you always seem to smile regardless of what's going on? And you can go, oh, I didn't always used to be like that. <laughs> I used to be quite cantankerously irritable. Whatever my circumstances were, that's where my emotions. But man, 
I had a relationship with Jesus, and he is my peace. And he's just transforming me in every situation, not always, but I'm seeing more and more of his nature where he is giving me his peace, and I'm learning how to rest in it. That's all you got to do. And then see if they nibble. <laughs> you know, be, be just ask the Lord, give me opportunities like, if I'm to go, just show me where and what that looks like. It's going to look different for Dan than it does me or you. But Paul's saying, because see, that's the thing. Remember, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How are people going to know if we don't share? We'll wrap this up, this last little bit, the very end. You know, it's real easy to get to these kinds of verses at the very end of these letters and think, well, I don't know any of these people, but I want to tell you something. None of these people that we really know, they're not the big hitters. They're not the Apostle Paul, and they're not, you know, the Moses, but these are, they, their lives matter. They're in his script, just like your life matters. Don't let you ever think because you're not someone else that your life doesn't matter. There's like 11, 10 or 11 names of people that you probably have never heard of. Yeah, you read them. Paul said, hey, I want to make sure you know this person and this person and this person. And I just want to say Rick and Karen and Melanie and Karen and, and Hillary, each one of us have a part in God's story. And all we got to do is find what part of the lane we're supposed to be in and just let him live through us. And then the very last thing, the last verse, this salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains and grace be with you. Do you remember how the beginning of the letter, it says Paul and Timothy? I'm pretty confident. Paul is chained and he's declaring in Timothy's writing. But he makes a point to say in this very last verse this salutation is by my hand. Remember my chains. Grace be to you. I don't think Paul was saying, remember my chains to have a pity party for me. I think Paul was saying, I want you to remember where I am. It doesn't matter. The gospel goes forth. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Jesus is still everything. And everything he's appointed in my life will come to pass. So when you're in that place where the enemy's coming in all around, remember my chains. And the grace of Jesus. He is so very good. Can we give a standing ovation to our Jesus? He is everything. We're just going to go into a time of worship. I just want to encourage you. I'm, I don't feel released from this book. I think we'll just be feasting quite a little bit on it from time to time and just invite you to do that as well but let's just ask the Lord 
Lord, would you take your cleaner spray and, or give me the new lenses to see Jesus fresh and once again. And I know that that was a lie. But Father, I just thank you that you, Holy Spirit, know what each heart knows and needs and that you can move and you can penetrate and you can speak to what each heart needs to be. And we just worship you right now and we just say, God, God, you are so good. We can be confident of this very thing. You who've begun a good work, you will carry it to completion. We thank you, Jesus, that you are head of this church. And you, we are your body, and we look to you. We thank you that everything you have for us individually as well as corporately will come to pass, not because of us. But, and it's not even Christ and me. Like you need our help, but it's Christ in me. Jesus, you, you're the beginning and the end and all in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.